A widow, about to lose her sons to a debtor, was desperate for the prophet's help. Her last possession was a jar of olive oil. Elisha told her to collect as many jars as she could. Then, God did more than she could imagine. Get ready to be blessed as we see God's ridiculous provision. Now, tonight we're going to uh, we'll get to the word of the Lord. I, I'm not going to be lengthy tonight. We'll be done easily by 10. We're, 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 we're studying a, a subject on Elisha. Uh, he, uh, he's, he's one of my favorite people. And we're talking about him, and this is our third week on him, and we got one more week, and we're just kind of covering some things that happened in his life. And it's exciting stuff. It really, really is. It's exciting stuff. And so tonight we're going we're gonna to go to another level of it. We call it Elisha number three. And so we're going to talk about some things tonight that I think are very important. And I want you, if you will, to take notes because it's important and, 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 and a part of what we do here to get you to not only just have inspiration, but some, some, uh, some uh, inspiration, but some information. And we want you to, we want you to put things. I, I, li- I like for people to put stuff on their refrigerator for at least a week, you know. I really do. I, I, the, the priest always restored the bread once a week. And uh, that bread, when they restored it, was still hot and still fresh. But they did it because it was the, the divine order of God. You need fresh bread in your life. But, but at the same time, some of the stuff that's going to be said here tonight, really, honestly, needs to be put on your refrigerator because you need to claim. See, I believe there's power in speaking the word of God. I believe there's power in speaking the word of God. And God said, let there be, and there was. When Jesus Christ was in the wilderness, he said, it is written, it is written. And he spoke it. He spoke what was written. And, and uh, the Bible said Satan departed from him for a season. Here's what I want to tell you. There's some things that you can have victory over. You don't have to, you don't have to be flustered in life. You don't have to walk around with a flustered heart, with a flustered mind. You can have peace that passeth understanding. You can have a joy like a river. Amen. You can have a glorious countenance in your life because Jesus Christ loves us. This is not supposed to be just the battle of the bulge every day. It's not supposed to be, you know, like we're just fighting again and and we're in guerrilla warfare all the time. There needs to be times in your life where you can just have the sweetness and the presence of God that just overfloods your soul and blesses your heart and absolutely makes you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are a part of this thing. You don't need to feel that separation anxiety. You don't need to feel that, that, that angst coming up in you. You need to have a peace. Amen? A peace. A peace of God. So the Lord bless you real good. One more time. Calisthenics. Stand to your feet. Amen? Amen. Everybody say, Pastor. Preach the word to me tonight. Let it touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach the word to me tonight. Let it touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach the word to me tonight. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. Before you're seated, say Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock. I'm here. You may be seated. God bless. Amen. Amen. Tonight we're in the third week of a message series on... 
this wonderful man, this bald-headed prophet. First week, we burned some plows. Last week, we dug some ditches. And tonight, we're going to fill some jars. We're going to have some jars that are going to be full. Next week, we're going to take our edge back as we look at the axe head that actually fell into a body of water. And by the power of God, God used Elisha to get the edge back. Something unnatural happened when that axe head floated. We're going to talk about that. God is into doing things that you can't even imagine. Tonight, though, I want this message to minister to everyone, but especially, I believe it will speak to those of you who feel overwhelmed. Now, I'm going to ask you this, and I don't want you to just get outside your body and have an out-of-body experience here, but how many of you sometimes just feel overwhelmed? Come on, just go ahead and admit it. That's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I feel overwhelmed. Yesterday and today have been difficult days for me. Two funerals yesterday and then counseling, and I, I, I didn't get a whole lot of rest last night. I could have got better rest, but I watched the Spurs. <laughs> That's not your fault. That's not God's fault. That's my fault. But boy, they did good, didn't they? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I hope I can do half as good as Tony Parker did last night on the floor. But then today, all day, and, and then tonight, and, but I, I feel good. I, I, but the first time, this is the first time in a long time I went down to the Shell Station and got me a Mountain Dew. I got me a little caffeine. Somebody said I need to get me a monster drink. I said I can't sleep if I drink a monster drink, but I, but I got me a Mountain Dew today. There's too much going on. You have, ever, you, you, you have a need right now. You don't have enough energy. You don't have enough time. Some of you may feel like you're even low on what we call faith. I've had some conversations lately that just reminded me of how common this type of pain can be. I talked to a person that just looked desperate at me and explained their financial dilemma. The person said, I'm so far into a financial hole, I can never dig myself out. I could feel the pain of that particular person, single moms who work full-time jobs plus part-time ones just trying to make ends meet for their children. Words like, I don't have any help. I can't raise these kids. I don't know how I can possibly continue to do all this and, and to make it, Pastor. Young people seeing divorce in homes. You can always tell there's a kind of tension. Which side are you going to be on? You're going to be on your mama's side. You're going to be on your daddy's side. Kids don't need to be in that kind of world. Amen. If you're here today with these others, let God use this story that I'm going to preach about tonight to minister to you in a deep and life-changing way. So let's dive into our text. We're going to 2 Kings chapter 4. Verse 1 and 2, you'll see it on the screen if you want to open your Bibles, you can. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, she said, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is come to take my boys, my two boys, as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And the woman said, your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. Your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. Now let's talk about these two verses because there's actually a lot in them. The first thing you'll notice is that we don't even know the poor widow's name. We don't know her name. We don't know who she is. According to Jewish tradition, many believe that she was actually the wife of the prophet Obadiah. And it was the case then, if that was the case, it would be no wonder that she was in financial need because Obadiah, one of the writers of the Old Testament, was known for protecting 
and providing for at least 50 other prophets in his ministry. So if indeed it was Obadiah's wife, he would have taken all the resources he had to meet the needs of the other prophets. Quite honestly, it would not be uncommon for all of the prophets' family to be financially struggling because they would spend the majority of their lives on the run, going here, going there, trying to survive, and so it was very difficult to make ends meet. Picture this. We've got a widow. We're going to guess somewhere maybe in her early 30s, maybe in her mid-30s. She's lost her husband. She has no chance at meaningful employment because in this culture, women were unemployable unless they would take a job that no woman would want to take. You know what I'm saying. Say, I know what you're saying. And if you don't know what I'm saying, somebody explain to you after a while. I'm going to leave it there. She's in a really devastating place. She's lost her husband. The creditor is coming after her two sons because the law said if you can't pay your debts, they can take your sons as slaves and they will be slaves until they're released in the year of Jubilee. So it doesn't get any worse than this. Humanly speaking, she has no hope. Do you see the picture? She's lost her husband. She can't pay her bills. Now the creditor has come and she's going to lose her sons. It doesn't get any worse than that. And sometimes I always try to remember stories like this and stories of people that I have pastored when I, what I call life's smaller problems come and get a hold of me. It's amazing many times, folks, how riled up we can get about things that are really, really not a big deal. Say amen. amen. And yet it happens all the time. For example, if you get really riled up because the GPS on your iPhone took you to the wrong place again, okay, that's an entry-level problem, all right? It's an entry-level problem. If you're in a restaurant and you're just devastated because they put too much goat cheese on your salad, I told you I didn't want a lot of goat cheese on my salad. That's an entry-level problem. That's not losing your wife. That's not letting your sons go back into slavery. That's not have enough money to make it. Or if, if you're really devastated because you only got seven likes on your most recent selfie on Instagram and no one said, hashtag, you're so beautiful, I can hardly stand it. And you wonder what you did wrong. Was it the wrong side? Should I have done this side instead of this side? Maybe this side's a better side than this side. Or perhaps I should have took a mirror shot, you know. Do I look okay in this new outfit? Maybe I should have done a duck face. Because I didn't get enough likes. Ladies and gentlemen, that's an entry level problem. The reality is that many of you today don't have entry level problems. You've got some graduate level problems going on right now. And you're trying to graduate out of these graduate level problems. Some of you here tonight, your marriage is barely hanging on. And you don't know if you're going to make it. That's not entry level. That's graduate level. Some of you tonight, you, you, you love and people that you have loved have just betrayed you and they've lied to you. And you thought you had their love and affection, but you don't know what it is anymore. Some of you, you've got a child that may be going the wrong way. 
And you're mature enough to know that if you keep going down the road that you're thinking right now, you're going to end up in a place you don't ever want to be and you're in agony because you're watching someone you love make decisions that are going to hurt them and you know that. Some of you, you may be in financial situations where you don't know how you're going to get out of it and others of you may be health issues. You need a miracle right now, not tomorrow, not next month, but now. You've got graduate level problems. And because of that, I'm going to talk to you. Let me give you a key thought to a graduate level problem. You need to write this down. When you don't have what you really want, you will discover that God is what you really need. Can you say that with me? When you don't have what you really want, you will discover that God is what you really need. Say it again. It sounds good. When you don't have what you really want, you will discover that God is what you really need. Hallelujah. The woman had a graduate level problem. She expresses her need to a prophet. Watch what the prophet does not do. He doesn't say, oh man, that's bad. Wow. It stinks to be you. I'm glad I'm me now. He doesn't blow her away. He doesn't say, oh, that's bad. I'll be thinking about you. It's always funny to me when people say that. I've been hurting sometime in my life. And I don't, the last thing I want people to say is, I'll be thinking about you. Tell me something more than I'll be thinking about you. Really? I'm thinking about you? Don't think about me. Pray for me. Ask God to help me. Do something significant, okay? Now lay me down to sleep. Bless pastor also, amen. Say something on my behalf. Don't just think about me. So Elijah replied to her, and what did he say? He said five words. Here we go. How can I help you? Say it. How can I help you? Turn to somebody and say, if you're ever in trouble, I'll be there. How can I help you? Say it right now. How can I help you? Say it to somebody right now. And now turn to the other side because you like that person better than you like the person you didn't turn to. Tell the other side too. Tell them. You want to make a difference in this world? You want to be filled with joy? You need to start every day with saying, God, I'm available as your divine representative. representative. I'm, I'm available. Here I am. Anytime there's a need, even if I can't directly meet the need, I want to be a conduit to minister to people. And when someone at the office says, I've got a problem, someone comes up and says, I've got a migraine headache, or my husband's driving me crazy, or my kid's going off the deep end, what do you say? How can I help you? WWJD, what would Jesus do? He'd do that right there. Hear me. You don't need to say, well, honey, I'll be thinking about you. I'll be thinking about you. Get that hand in your hand. Lift your voice up and say, in the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, I rebuke this migraine headache. I pray that this boy will come back home. Do something right now. Be a representative. Be an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ on your job. Do it. It's okay. Amen. Then he says to her something that is very profound. He respects her dignity and he says, tell me, what do you have in your house? Now watch this. In other words, he doesn't say, I'm here with all the answers. But he respects her dignity and he says, let's start with what you have. My God. 
if you had what I had. Mm. I love those I love those boys that came and sat with Job when he was in his trouble. Man, I felt God this morning. I felt God come all over me. Job, have you felt that lately? No, can't say that I have. But I got these balls on me, you know. Wow. Wow. Man, you must have done something bad because I'm feeling it all over me. No, that ain't how you handle people that's hurting. You respect their dignity. And you look at them and you say, let's start with what you have. And let God meet your needs with what you have. Everybody raise your hand and say, I got something. Oh, we're fixing to preach here. Say, I got something. I really do. I really do. Now, she replies, your servant has nothing there at all. That's what she says. I have nothing. Isn't it interesting, put it on the screen, that when you're hurting and when you're lacking, all you can see is what you don't have and you miss all the blessings that you do have? You see that? Isn't it amazing? When you're hurting and when you're lacking, all you can see is what you don't have and you miss all the blessings that you do have. I don't have enough money so I can't be happy. Fooey. It don't take a lot of money to buy you a Mountain Dew. Just bought one. Two could eat for the price of one at Sonic on Tuesday night. Come on. Get happy. I don't have a spouse, so I can't really have a meaningful life just now. All you women that don't have husbands, say, yee-hee, right now. Thank you. Thank you. You know what you just did? You witnessed to women that couldn't say that. I'm telling you, you can have Jesus Christ in your life with a husband, without a husband. I'm preaching to you right now. Don't let what you don't have destroy what you do have in your life. I want all you men that don't have a wife to say, hallelujah. Come on, say it louder than that, you men. Hallelujah. You've got the Lord in your life. I'm preaching right now. I've heard people say, my house isn't nice enough so we can't, we can't have company. Because everybody knows you can't entertain without granite counter to- uh, countertops in the kitchen. I don't have what I want, so life doesn't matter. I've known ladies, never one personally, so I'm not talking about sweet pea, but maybe you know one, who walk into closets with clothes everywhere. And what do they say? They touch them all and then they say, help me out. I have nothing to wear. They could clothe an African village with what they have, but that they say, I have nothing to wear. All you focus on is what you don't have. Quit it. Quit it. Quit it. Quit it. Quit it. With God, you have everything. Quit focusing on what you don't have. God's about to speak to somebody in this house. Here it is. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Say it. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. That's good whether you like it or not. 
And everybody say, I can do that with God's help. So 2 Kings 4 and 2, she says this. Your servant has nothing there at all. Oh, except a small jar of olive oil. Oh, you forgot something. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing when you get down on your luck that you forget all the good stuff you got in your house? Isn't it amazing when things don't go right? Well, I tell you, I'm just going to give up. You can't give up. We're too close to resurrection day. You can't give up. Everybody say, Pastor. 2014 is not the quitting year. It's the getting year. And we're going to get more of God than we've ever had in our life. Our faith is going to get stronger. Our hope is going to go stronger. Our love is going to get deeper. We're going to get more settled in the house of God. And with God, we can do anything. Come on now, clap your hands for that. Stop waiting for what you want. Start working with what you have. You may have a jar of olive oil in your house. Olive oil is actually incredibly valuable because it's very rare. Had tons of important uses. Oil, olive oil, was used for cooking. Say cooking. It helped lamps burn. It was used as moisturizers. There was no bath and body works back in that day. <laughs> so it was used for, body, for, 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 for moisturizer. It kept leather pliable. It kept irons from rusting. It was used as an offering to the Lord. Wow. And it was used to help anoint people in religious services. It was very valuable. But she didn't have a lot. She just had a little. Another statement I don't want you to ever forget. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who specializes in doing a lot with a little. And this is going to speak to somebody because we serve a God who is absolutely capable of doing a lot with a little. All through Scripture, you see it again and again. In the New Testament, Jesus talks to some people all day and it gets to the evening and he realizes they're hungry. And then they start counting and there's 5,000 men plus women and children. <laughs> Somebody said, how are we going to feed all these people? And everybody starts looking and Philip said, 200 pennyworths all we have. And the Lord said, really, that's all we've got? And so all of a sudden a little boy comes up and taps Andrew on the hand and said, sir, my name, I'll just call him Ricky. My name is Ricky. <laughs> sir, I don't have a lot. I have a little but maybe it can be used. And Andrew goes into a conniption. He goes to dancing and shouting and rejoicing because somebody thought to bring lunch. And he takes that lunch of five loaves and two fishes and he puts it in the hands of Jesus and he blesses it and he breaks it and has them set down in companies of 50, and he feeds them all, probably up to 20,000, and says, boys, pick up the remains, because anything God ever blesses, he don't want it wasted. Pick it up. And they picked up 12 basketfuls and took it home with them, one for every disciple. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God don't need a lot to do a whole bunch. He can take a little and do a whole lot with it. Let's look in the Old Testament. Here's an old boy named Goliath, nine foot six inches tall, scaring the Israelites to death. And here comes a little old boy with corn and cheese down from his daddy's house. 
And he picks up five little old smooth stones. And he walks out there and he said, what is this voice that I hear? I hear a voice out here defying the armies of the living God. And David never called him a giant. He just called him a man out of covenant. Don't you allow things that are out of covenant. I don't care how big they are. Take away the joy and the peace that God has given you in your heart. That giant is not big enough to take away your joy and your contentment and your peace. And David said, everyone thinks you're too big to hit. I think you're too big to miss. Duck boys, I'm fixed to take him out. And David took him out. Because God uses little things to do big things. You don't have to have big things for God to do little things. He can do little things and big things out of your smallness. He can do it. Oh, I'm preaching right now. Somebody help me right now. Somebody help me right now. Come on. Come on. You got just a little praise you want to give him? You got just a little joy you want to give him? You got just a little thank you, Jesus, you want to give him? Amen. You may not feel like praising him big time, but why don't you praise him a little bit? Because God can take that small praise and make it a big, big thing. Because God delights in taking the little and making it big. Woo! Say amen. In fact, in the New Testament, he said it this way. He said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, be removed and cast in the sea and you will have what you ask for. He didn't say if you have the faith of a mountain, you can move a mustard seed. He said if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Just a little faith. Everybody said just a little faith. We serve a God who can do a lot with a little. And Elisha says, what do you have in your house? God asked Moses one day, what do you have in your hand? He didn't ask Moses, what do you want? He didn't ask Moses, what do you need? He said, what do you have in your hand? So let's stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have. I remember coming here 24 years ago plus, and I'm not, this is not, this is not sympathy kick time. I don't, I don't, I don't need sympathy. God's been so good to me. I cry just about every morning because I wake up so happy that God has blessed us in this church. I've never taken these blessings for granted. But I remember coming here. It's, it's a distant memory for some of you, but it, it's, it's, it stays fresh in my mind because I know how God blessed us here. I know how God brought us from that building, from that place over there, and we constructed this. And how are we going to do it? Well, I don't know how we're going to do it, but I, I, I remember. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a financial report right now, okay? I remember when I came, the tithe, the tithe then was $6,000 a month. And our church note was $1,500 a month. And the bills on top of that, we had a bad air conditioner or something. The bills, the city of Austin was eating us alive. And it took over $3,000, about $3,200, $3,300 a month to just get by with opening and shutting the doors of a church plus paying the note. And so what do you do? Well, hey, man, you just do what you can. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. And so what I did, I had two things going for me. Number one, I had a lot of friends. Thank God. And number two, 
those friends like me to come preach for them. And so I would go out and I would sneak away on Thursdays and Fridays and sometimes Mondays and Tuesdays and come back in here and preach on Wednesdays. And we'd sing a cappella next door on Wednesday night. And it was a, it was a train wreck. It really was. Sister Brenda was our organist, but when she had to work during the week, we had to sing a cappella a lot of times, and we'd sing a cappella. But I would say it's going to happen. I'm, I would say it's going to happen. We, we didn't have a lot of music, man, to have a Randy Davenport, to have a Kirk, to have Brenda up here, to have the young one beating on the drums like he's some kind of rock star back there, and to have this bass player, and to have those bongos. And we didn't have that. We just had a woman that sung a pitch too high. She never was on key. But we did what we could with what we had. We didn't duck our head and say it's not going to happen. And you know what else we started doing? We started taking care of people that couldn't take care of themselves. Because I read one time in this Bible, and I'm going to open it up. It's not in my notes, but I read one time in this Bible that said, Blessed are, is he that considereth the poor, for the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him. The Lord will keep him alive. And he shall be blessed upon the earth. And you will not deliver him into the will of his enemies. And the Lord will strengthen him upon his bed of languishing. And he'll make up his bed in the time of his affliction. Here's what I want to tell you. We started helping people that couldn't help themselves. And then somebody gave me this little secret. When you start ministering to people that nobody wants, one day you'll have a church that everybody wants. We didn't have a whole, oh, somebody help me right. We didn't have a whole lot of stuff. But I tell you what we did have. We had a little. We had a little. And God let us take that little. And it's become much in the hands of God. Can somebody help me right now? You've got to do that with your family. You've got to do that with your job. You've got to do that with your home. There may be a guy here who says, man, I'm not a good provider. Pastor, I don't make a six-figure income. I wish I did. And God would say to you, hey, you're home six nights of the week with your children. That's important. Stop waiting for what you want. Start working with what you have. Gentlemen, the most important thing you do may not be what you do, but who you raise. And when you're a man of God to your children, that's a huge, huge success. Let's give all of our dads a great hand in this house right now. Come on, come on. Stop waiting for what you want. Start working with what you have. But I don't make enough money to attract a good wife. And I don't have the kind of car that the woman, the women are going to want. And I can't buy the kind of clothes that women are going to want. Listen, man, if you find a woman that loves Jesus and you lay down your life and you serve her, you don't need material things. To see the happiest, most blessed woman in your life. She'll be blessed through and through. And a woman over here just said amen and yes. Who knows what's going to happen when we stop waiting for what we want and start working for what from what we have. I pray it speaks to you. The second thought. This is my last thought. The second thought is this. We're going to offer God what we have. And trust him to give us what we need. Everybody say we're going to offer God. What we have. And we're going to trust him to give us what we need. 
<laughs> Brother Mitch kind of touched on that in offering, taking time tonight. Amen. We're going to trust God with what we have and give him, trust him to give us what we need. Offer God what you have and trust him to give you what you need. Watch this. Come true in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 3 through 7. Elisha said, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Week one, we burned plows. Week two, we dug ditches. Week three, we're collecting jars. Now go get some empty jars. Don't ask for just a few, he said. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour it into a jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. Now here's, here's, what's, here's what's going on here. You get a bunch of jars, he said. And all you have to do is take that little bit of oil. But if you'll trust God and pour out what you have, then put that jar aside. God will refill your jar and give you what you need, and you can keep on pouring. And it's not some kind of magic trick. I got a little nephew named Reed that used to do magic tricks where he could pour milk out and it would keep on pouring. It was funny, but this is not a magic trick. That woman started collecting jars, and when she had the faith to offer what she had, God gave her what she needed. And that's exactly what happened. Verse 5, let's read it on the screen. She let, left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. Then they brought the jars to her, and when all the jars were full, she said to her sons, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. And the oil stopped flowing. As long as there was an empty jar, God filled it. But when there was no more jars, God stopped the filling. She went and told the man of God, and he said, here's the good news. Go sell the oil and pay your debts. Your debt has been paid for. You and your sons can live on what is left. When she offered what little she had, God gave her everything she needed. And as long as there's an empty jar, the oil kept flowing. Now, this is a ridiculous request to ask her to empty out everything she has and to trust God to provide what she really needed, but that's how our God works. When we show him our faith, we get to see his faithfulness. Say it. When I show him my faith, I get to see his faithfulness. Now, I'm going to brag on you just a little bit. Is it all right if I brag on this precious church? Can I brag on you a little? The difference in Christian life church and many other churches. Please, God, if I boast, I only boast in you tonight. You have placed a hunger in hearts of people that come to Christian Life Church. I am amazed every Wednesday night to see a house almost full with people participating in the balcony that will not leave during the message. I am amazed to see the hunger in your worship Sunday second service, I didn't think I was going to get a chance to preach. And some of you have been coming to church for a long time. Many denominational churches get settled on their what we call lees. Their new wine gets smelly. It becomes old and rancid. But God has somehow kept a hunger and thirsting in CLC for the last 24 plus years. Not just in our worship. Not just our singing. Not just the preaching. But there's a hunger in this church there's a hunger in this church and I want to compliment you from the bottom of my heart because as long as there's an empty vessel there will always be a flow of the spirit now now stay with me I'm not talking about the Holy Ghost empty vessels bring flows 
the prophet said, get a bunch of jars. Notice he didn't say what color. He didn't say what size. He didn't say what shape. What did he say? The only requirement is that the vessel must be empty. It could have been any kind of jar. It could have been a milk jug. could have been a peanut butter jar. It could have been a butter tub. He just needs it to be empty. We come in all shapes and sizes. For your information, I've lost eight pounds since I started bragging on it. <laughs> Woo! So how does this apply to us? 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 says, We have this treasure, which is Christ in jars of clay. Everybody say, we have this treasure. Our body is the treasure we hold in ourselves. We're clay pots. We're dirt houses. That's what we are. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Stay with me now. And what God is looking for, God's looking for a few empty jars. You ready? When we empty ourselves of ourselves, when we empty ourselves of our pride, when we empty ourselves of our greed, when we empty ourselves of our own agendas and we come to God totally empty, then he fills us up with the fresh oil. David said, you've anointed me with fresh oil. You know why God could anoint him with fresh oil? Because David got everything that was not like God out of him and came with a repentant, hungry heart. He said, as a man panteth, as a, as a heart panteth after the water broke, so pants my soul after thee, O God. I want this place to always be a place of people that hunger and thirst after righteousness because God will fill empty vessels every time we come to the house of God. Clap your hands for that and say amen to that. Oh, I believe that. I believe that. And suddenly you realize when he starts filling you up that you don't have outwardly what you wanted because it's God that you truly needed. And suddenly he's enough. He's sufficient in every single way. Randy, come and help me, brother. Thank you. You see, when you're weak, he is your strength. When you're hurting, he's your comforter. When you're lost, he's your guide. When you're hungry, he's the bread of life that nourishes you. When you're thirsty, he's living water. When your life is unstable, he's the rock that does not move. And when you realize, I do not have what I wanted then you discover he's exactly what you needed. Thank you for listening to the Christian Life Austin podcast. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com.